Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. So often we, we set goals and we say, I want to try something new or I want to do something new. And uh, y- you do it, you do it for a couple weeks, it drops off and you don't do it. Well, instead of that, we're looking at the beginning of this year of who we want to be. Who do we want to be as a father? Who do you want to be as a mother? Who do you want to be as uh, an employee? And, and, and we're really looking at, and the first part of this is we're going to look at who you want to be spiritually, and then we're going to look at relationally, and then we're going to look at financially, and looking at biblical principles on how to get there and grow. And this week, we're still in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, and we're talking about being who we want to be spiritually. But before we start, um, it was years ago, driver's ed. Who remembers driver's ed? Raise your hand. Remember something about driver's ed? I don't remember a whole lot from it. One of the things I remember about driver's ed was they showed us a bunch of car accidents, train car accidents, and they're like really tried to instill the fear of God when it came to like trains. They're like, this person didn't even know there was a train and they ran right into it and here's their body, and this person, I mean, it was just, that's how they did it. Um, That's one of the only things I remember about the actual driver's ed side of it. But around that same time, my dad told me something. Now, I took driver's ed when I was 15, and I had already been doing some driving out on the road, but like in fields, and I had driven quads and dirt bikes and things. I kind of knew how to drive. And maybe that's why I didn't remember a whole lot of it. But my dad told me something. He said this. He said, always look twice. He's like, you never know. He says, you just want to make sure. Even if you know no car is there, you want to look twice. He says, because you don't know if a a house was the same color as a car in front of it and the car just blended in or if there was a tree that you didn't quite catch and the car was behind a tree or maybe a column in the vehicle that you're in, maybe you're not familiar with it and the car just happened to fit like perfectly behind it. He goes, but always look twice before you pull out of an intersection or you pull onto a road. And it was kind of a really small thing that he said. It wasn't a big thing. It wasn't a class. But that has saved me so many times, so many times where I look right and then you look left and I already know it's clear, but I still got that voice in the back of my head going, you look twice. And I look again and I'm like, where did that blue car come from? And they materialize out of I don't know where. And it was something that was really, it seemed simple at the time, but it saved me at least, I can think of 25 occasions where I get that little like double heartbeat, like boom. Like, I would have pulled out. I would have pulled out in front of them. Like, that would not have been pretty. And it's made such a difference. And I really believe that for somebody this morning, that is what this message is going to be. It's not this huge, huge thing, except it is going to make a huge impact in your life. And really, as we look at Hebrews chapter 6, if you are here last week, it really is the foundation of our faith. And it says in verse 3 that if we don't get this right, if we don't get this right, God, we want to keep moving on. We want to go on to other things. And God permitting, we will do so. We have to get these things right. And so they may seem small, but have a huge impact. But we're just going to start, and we're going to read chapter 6, verse 1. It says, therefore, 
Let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. He's like, these are the elementary. You have to get this. It says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. And faith is what we're talking about this morning. Two, instructions about baptisms, the laying out of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Verse 3, and God permitting, we will do so. We want to get beyond this. He says, but you need to have these things right. You really do. And God permitting, we will do so. God permitting, we will do so. And today we're talking about faith. So if you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 11, just a couple pages over, and we're going to look at faith. And this is what it says. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, talking about faith. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So raise your hand if you think it's important to please God. Raise your hand. You're like, yeah, I think it might be important. All right. Can you please God without faith? Right here it says no. So raise your hand if you think faith is important. If, if pleasing God is important, yep, then faith has got to be important because the Bible says we can't please God without faith. So it is an important thing for us. Now, the dictionary, when talks about faith, this is what it says that faith is. And I, I bet that if I was to ask all of you, if I was to line up 100 people and just say, okay, you, tell me what faith is, I'd get 100 different answers. Because I really think at times it can seem that out there or, or obscure. And in Webster's Dictionary, this is what it says about faith. It says that this is a belief that is not based on proof. A belief not based on proof. But Hebrews chapter 11 tells us a little bit about faith, and this is what it says. Hebrews 11, you guys, you're probably already there, but Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of, we, of what we have not seen. Now, that tells us a bit of what faith is, but I want to share a story here that's found in Matthew that I think paints the clearest picture of faith in the entire Bible. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Jesus is traveling around, and it says this, that when he entered Capernaum, a centurion came, for him, came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus says, I will go and I will heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority. I say to this soldier, go and he goes. To that one, come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now, Jesus looks at that right there, that little interaction, the back and forth, and he says, I haven't found anyone in Israel with the, the, as great a faith as this man has. But all that that guy did, if you look at it, all that that guy did is say, hey, I realize that you have authority. And whether you're in my house or not, it doesn't matter. If you have the authority to take care of this in my house, you have the authority to take care of it right here. I'm not worthy to have you at my house. I understand that you have authority. And I believe that what you say will happen. And Jesus looked at that and said, that's great faith. 
He looked at what, that, what happened right there, and he says, that is great faith. He believed, he believed that Jesus would do what he said he would do. When we talk about faith, that is what it is. That's what we're talking about. Believing that what Jesus said he would do, he would do. Because he's Jesus. Because he's God. And we have a whole separate word for it because have, has anybody ever promised you something? Raise your hand if anybody's ever made a promise to you. All right. Keep your hand up if somebody's ever broken a promise. Yes. Okay, raise your hand if you ever made a promise that you didn't keep. Raise your hand. Yes. When it comes to promises, I have no idea why I remember this, but my grandma, my grandma's always like, I have no idea why she said this, but she's like, you got to, you got to, your, your kids need to know that, that you're going to break your promises. And I just remember that, that grandma, for some reason, her advice to me when I started having kids was, your kids need to know that you're going to break promises. And I just thought that was really weird. I'm like, why would you break? Anyways, but here's the thing. With people, that happens, doesn't it? And it, it might not even be fun. You might make a promise that you want to keep, that you intend to keep, but something comes up and all of a sudden you're like, I'm unable to keep it. But God doesn't ever do that. He doesn't ever make a promise that He cannot keep. So the word that we use to describe that is this word faith, believing that God is going to do what He said He's going to do. And the centurion looked at Jesus and he said, I understand authority. If you can do it, you can do it. It doesn't matter whether you're at my house or not. What you say will happen will happen. You have the authority to do it. And it's understanding that. That is what it is. Verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed. It will be done just as you believed. And the faith that this man had, the belief that, again, faith and belief. Jesus looked at what he did and said, he, I've never, I have not found anyone with such great faith. And then in verse 13, he says, exactly as you have believed is what you're going to get. What you believe, you believe that's what's going to happen? It's going to happen. And I have seen that true so many times, so many times. Years ago, I had a roommate who was sick, and uh, he, he was upstairs, his bedroom was upstairs, and I could hear him up there just like moaning and being sick and, and um, just, just kind of be annoyingly sick. And I don't know how you are when you're sick, Maybe any, anybody a poor sick person, like you get sick and it's just not good. You're like, I know I'm not a good sick person. Anybody willing to admit it? No, like two, three, like, yes, I'm not good when I'm sick. Me, when I'm sick, I'm like, don't touch me. I don't want to be babied. I don't want anything. Just like, I want to be, I'm, I'm just going to be sick. I feel kind of like, like wolves in the natural, like when one of them gets sick, they leave the pack so that the rest of the pack doesn't get sick and they go off to die. And if they don't die, they come back. And I'm like, I think people should do that. Like, if you're sick, just like, go deal with it, save the rest of us, and then come back when you're ready. Like, just, just, just come back. Well, my roommate was not like that. He's up there, and he's coming downstairs, and, and finally, I just get fed up with it. And I'm like, I'm going to go pray for this guy. This is ridiculous. So I march up to his room, and I'm like, hey, not feeling good, are you? And he's like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, hey, 
can I pray for you? I said, let's just, let's just get this thing out of this house. Can I pray for you? And he looks at me and he goes, why? I know what this is. It's a virus. And when a virus attacks your body, and he starts going, blah, 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 like what this virus is, he goes, and it's going to run its course, and then it's going to be gone. And when it's gone, I'm going to be better, and this isn't going to last that long. And, 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 and I'm like, well, do you want me to pray for you? And he's like, it's not going to do any good. And, blah, blah, blah. and I just looked at him, and I'm like, you have more faith in whatever you think you know is happening in your body, what you learned in college about this virus and how this is attacking this and that thing and the next thing. And he was kind of really interesting. He, yeah, anyway, anyway, I'm getting off on a rabbit trail. But he had more faith in that than he did in what God's Word said would happen, which is lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He believed, no, I know what it is. It's a virus and this is what is going to happen. So that's exactly what happened. I just left. Because we saw there in verse 13, Jesus says, according to your faith or what you believe is what is going to happen. Another time, um, it was uh, probably about this time of year, and I looked out, and I have some, uh, some, some elderly retired neighbors, and they're an absolute hoot. They're really, really fun. Uh, a couple of them have actually sold their houses, moved on, and I, I miss them like crazy. They were, they, were, they were great. But at the time, they were all still there, and there was a competition between a few of them. And the competition was anytime, like in the fall, if a leaf fell, like they were like, see who could have their yard like the absolute cleanest, the absolute fastest. And in the winter, like if two snowflakes fell, they would be out there like shoveling their entire driveway. And no lie, there are times I'm like, there is no snow. And they're out there, shh, shh, shh. And one would go out there, and no kidding, within six or seven minutes, the other two are out there, and they're all just shoveling. I'm like, there is no snow. Well, on this occasion, there was snow, and the other two driveways across the street, they were already, they were already clean. I hadn't gotten out there to get mine yet. I got, at the time, I think I had like four kids and other things to do besides the driveway. But I did get out there, and I start shoveling my driveway, and I get mine done. I look over, and his still isn't done. And I'm like, oh, that's a little odd. So I went over and knocked on his door, and I said, hey, I noticed your, your driveway isn't done yet. Do you need some help? And he comes out, and he's like, yeah, I would. He said, I had to... Uh, my knee's been bothering me. I, I, I can't work the shovel right now. He said, or even the snowblower. I looked at his knee. I said, well, can I pray for you? And he looks at me and he goes, why? I go, God can heal you. And he looks at me and he goes, with the doctor's help, he could. And I'm like, no, God can heal you. And I said, do you believe that God can heal you? He goes, no, I don't. I'm like, so you don't want me to pray for you? He goes, no, but I would help. I'd love some help with the driveway. I'm like, oh, okay. So off, off he went. He got what he believed. Another time, I was uh, on, on hospital visits. So I went up to the hospital. Somebody at the church um, called in. And, and, and sometimes you, you don't know exactly what you're going to get when you go to a hospital visit. Like sometimes, sometimes it might be like a relative that, that wants you to be there, but they really don't want you there. And so you walk in and they, everybody looks at you really weird and like everybody, all the heads turn at you like, why is this weird person here? He's not a doctor. And other times, you know, they're excited that you're there. You really don't know. So it's always like exciting the way I decide to look at it when, when you walk into a hospital room and you don't know what's going on. So I, I walk in, I have no idea what's going on or if I know the, the, the family or the individual or what's happening. 
but I walk into the hospital room and there's a woman lying in the bed and there's uh, four or five family members, uh, what I assume are family members around, and I said, hi, my name is Samuel. Uh, I said, I'm, I'm from church. Uh, did somebody, somebody ask me to come up and pray? And they're like, oh yeah, we're so excited that you're here. Come over here. Come over here. And I'm like, all right, all right. So I come and, and the situation was, is uh, it was cancer. Had, had been there for a while. It was kind of a new discovery. They hadn't really started anything yet, but they had confirmed that it was cancer with autopsies, and they were going to go back at something. I don't know exactly. I don't remember the exact details of it. I said, okay, well, let's... I said, can I, can I pray for you? I'd like to lay hands on you. I'd like to anoint you with oil, like the Bible says in James, and I'd like to pray for you. And they're like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I said, okay, well, what are we believing for? I said, I'd like to connect my faith with yours. And this lady is on the hospital bed, and she's like, complete healing. She's like, this thing has got to go. I do not want it here. And the family's like, yeah, get this out of here. And we're like, okay, let's, let's pray. And, and so we pray. Nothing special. Uh, didn't, didn't, I didn't feel any tingle. Um, felt like every, you know, I went to a couple other hospital rooms that day and, and prayed for some, some other people as well, and then went back to the office. Uh, that was before lunch, a little after lunch, uh, the receptionist calls me and she's like, Samuel, were you on hospital visits today? And I said, yeah, yeah, I was, I was on hospital visits. And they said, did you pray for a woman, so-and-so, who had cancer? I said, yeah, I did. She said, well, she called to say whatever tests and whatever things they were doing to follow up with it, she said, the cancer's 100% gone and they can't find it. And so she just called to say thank you. And I just thought, everybody in that room was excited to pray. Everybody in that room was like, we want it gone in Jesus' name. I look at what this verse in Matthew says, and, they, and this is this, and it will be done just as you believe, just as you believe. And the strange thing is, is I went to other rooms and I prayed, and we didn't get a call from any of the other rooms. And maybe for them, they all did. Maybe they didn't. I don't know exactly. I've had times where I lay hands on people. One time, uh, years ago, I was installing carpet, and I had this younger guy working with me. He was, uh, it was really more of like he could do some of the grunt work while I was doing the installation, like clean up the rooms and, and vacuum. And I just wanted to spend some time with him, and, and I needed some help anyway. So he was there helping me. And we ate lunch, and after lunch, I look over, and he's just doing this. He's doing one of these, like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I'm like, get back to work. Like, I'm paying you. Like, get it done. What are you, what are you doing? And he's like, no, I really don't feel good. I look at him, and I'm like, okay, you come here. And he goes, what? I said, we're going to pray for you, and you're going to get back to work. Come here. And he's like, Really? And he just kind of walks over to me. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what we're going to do. So I, I lay my hands on him, and I'm like, in the name of Jesus, whatever this is, you just got to go. He's got to get back to work. Amen. And I turn around, and I go to get back to work, and I look over, and he's just standing there still. And I look, and I go, what are you doing? And he goes like, the, he, he does something like this. He goes, it's gone. I go, good, now get back to work. That's how this works. <laughs> And he gets back to work. And he just got right back to work. Um, and here's the interesting thing, is he was surprised. I wasn't, but he was surprised. 
So I tell you that side of it to say this. I do not believe that there is a specific mathematical formula that we follow to get God to jump through hoops. But faith, we know, is impossible to please God without faith. And Jesus told this man, according to your faith, let it be done to you. I don't think there's a formula that we just we follow and you do this and you shake this and you say these words. No. But when we know what the Word of God says and we stand on it, we can be sure that God is going to be faithful. And for me, I have these, those experiences and more where I have seen God be faithful to what His Word says. I have seen people struggle through infertility and, and trouble getting pregnant, and now they have kids. And we've prayed, and we've actually, and Becca, when she talks about it, she's like, she's, she goes, it's so much fun because I get to rejoice. And then she says, I feel the victory with them because we've been praying with them and saying, you know, it's going to happen. We just keep, God, we know that it's going to happen. It hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. And we've seen it over and over and over, God's faithfulness. And as he does that, I literally believe it's, it really is like adding train cars to a train. A short train, it takes a while to stop, but there's not that much back there and it can stop. But the longer the train, the longer it takes to stop. You just get this thing where it can just about plow through anything. And we get that with our experiences. We're like, God was faithful here. And he was faithful and he showed himself true here and then he showed himself true here and he showed himself true here. Remember when he did that? Yes, I know that we can get through this. I know that we can. I know that we can do this. I think one of the things that we really forget so often when it comes to faith is this. It's in Romans 10, 17. Romans 10, 17. If you don't have this highlighted, I write this down. If you don't have your Bible with you, if you're using an app, highlight it in there, email it to yourself, make your notes, whatever you do. But here it is. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It doesn't say it comes from your favorite TV evangelist. It doesn't say it comes because you, whatever podcast you listen to or because so-and-so said so. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. It's knowing what the Word of God says, not what somebody else says, but knowing what the Word of God says. Psalms 138, verse 2 says this, I will worship towards your holy temple, and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. It's knowing the word of God. He says, your word, you've magnified, you've lifted up your word. And you want to know what God's going to do? Then we need to know what God's word has to say about the situation. Not what worked for Aunt Susie. Not what worked for me. But this is what the word of God says. And that's why I know it will work for me. And it's great to be encouraged as we listen to stories of, yes, God was faithful in this other person's life, but we need to know that for ourselves. And there's a story in in Acts that I think illustrates this absolutely perfectly. Acts chapter 19, it says this, that some Jews were going around and they they were casting out demons in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. They looked at what was working for somebody else, and they're like, it works for them. I want to do it. And so they started to do it. They started to do what worked for somebody else, not knowing why it worked for that person. 
And so this is, what it, this is the actual account of what it says in verse 13, right towards the end. They would say, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, I command you to come out. In the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. I think a lot of people do this today, where they hear what somebody else has to say on it, or somebody sends them a message or a podcast or a video, and they listen to it, and they think it's great, but they hold on to what the person says, and they don't know what the Word of God says. And they might not use these words, but it really is the same thing. Verse 14, seven sons of Sceva were doing this, a Jewish chief priest. Verse 15, one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? And they didn't know how to answer. They did not know how to answer. Verse 16, then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them both, overpowered them, gave them such a beating they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Awkward. For sure, it did not work. It did not work. But here's what they were trying to do. They were trying to do something that they saw somebody else do without knowing why it worked for them. They didn't have faith. They didn't know what the Word of God had to say because they didn't answer when these evil spirits talked to them. They didn't use the authority that we have to tell them to just shut up and get out. Instead, they end up on the losing side of it. We need to know. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I love that word. It's hearing. That's that's an action. It's active. If you're believing for something, you hold on to that Scripture. You find the Scripture that says, okay, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, this relationship, the way that it's turning out, this this whole forgiveness thing, the way I'm having to treat, it's it's crazy. I, I cannot do this on my own, but God, I need your strength to forgive. I need your strength to walk in love towards this person, towards my boss at work, towards this relative, whatever it is, God, I need your strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And maybe you just repeat it and you just say it before you, get, you go to see them. You're like, I know I'm about to see them. I know I'm about to see them and this is going to be hard. God, I thank you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that you are strengthening me. God, I need your help because me, the inside of me wants to do like, ah, but I cannot do that. So God, I need your strength to walk in love and be a light to them. And we pray and we stand on that. We stand on that because Faith is, here's what it is. It's believing that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. But the first word is you have to know what God's word says about it. You need to know what God's word has to say about it, whatever it is. And here's, here's a, a Christian question. If you're new to, to Christ, you maybe have not heard this, but I hear this over and over, which is this, well, how much faith do I have? And really, I think that's a very it's not even the right question. It's really not the right question. But here's where I think some of it kind of comes from, is Jesus and his disciples were in a boat, and they're crossing, they're, they're crossing the lake, and a huge storm comes up. The boat's about to sink. They wake up Jesus, and this is what Jesus says. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? He got up, rebuked the wind and waves, and it was completely calm. That, that word, little faith, really is a poor translation of it. It really is, because Jesus goes on and he's talking about faith, talking about what it means and, and how we work in it. And this is what he says about the amount of faith that is had. And he says this in Matthew 17, verse 20, because you have so little faith, and literally what that is, is translated as there and 
in Matthew 8, 26 is this word unbelief. And we already talked about how the Bible uses faith and belief like interchangeably. He says unbelief. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, he's like talking about the amount of faith and like thinking I don't have enough. He's like, here's the deal. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say this mountain move, be cast into the sea and it will obey you. It will do it. So literally, he takes the I don't have enough thing and he throws it out the window and he's like, if you have enough, like this tiny bit much, you have enough to say to a mountain to move. So it's not about this amount that we have, but it's taking God at His Word and then following through with it. And here's the thing. The thing about faith is this. Well, anything really is if you believe something, there needs to be an action that goes with it. If you believe something, there should be action to prove it. There should be an action because you believe it. If there's not, there's something wrong. There's something not right because there's no action to go along with it. If I was to say, I'll give $100 to the first person who touches my hand, none of you believe that that's true or somebody would have already touched my hand. Am I right? If you believe me, I don't think there's anybody in here who's like, no, I don't want that. No lie. I was in a service where a pastor did this, except instead of saying $100, he said, my watch. He said, I will give my watch to the first person who, and this little boy in the front row just jumps up. The stage was probably twice as high as this. He does some gazelle move, jumps up on the stage, and before the guy can say anything else, touches the guy, touches his hand. And the, the, the speaker who's saying it goes, takes off his watch and gives it to him. Turns out it was like a $5,000 watch. And the guy just jumped into the gun. The kid got there and jumped down, and he went down and tried and bought it back from the kid after the service. <laughs> I don't know how much he paid the kid for, but I was just like, Whoa. But if we believe something, there needs to be an action that goes with it. If you're married and all you do is tell your wife or husband, I love you, but there's no action, you might not even smile when you say it, they're not even going to believe it. There's, there's, no, there's nothing. They're like, really? Say it all you want. But you're doing nothing. You're not doing anything at all. Like, you're doing nothing. You're not, whatever. You're not doing anything. You're not being sweet at all. There's a problem. I love you. Do you want to kiss? No. You'd be like, What? Are you sick? Because otherwise, what is going on? Is my breath? You're like, what is going on here? There needs to be an action with there. With it, there needs to be action. And the same comes with the Word of God. Heaven, being a believer, is not a get-out-of-hell-free card. If we believe that Jesus came and died for our sins, then we need to live differently. And be like, okay, I want to live differently than I do now, if we believe that God's Word is true, that it's more blessed to give than to receive, then we need to live that out. There should be an action. Is it Newton's like third law? For every action, there is an opposite reaction. Okay, there's an opposing and opposite. There's, there's different action. Well, when it comes to faith, 
if we believe something, there needs to be an action that goes along with it. If we say that we believe that God's Word is true, then let's be reading it so that we know what it says about situations, so that we can take a stand and we say, oh, this is what the Word of God says, so I want to do it. This is how relationships are supposed to be, so I want to I do that. The Bible says the sex is good and God created it. And I'll just let you know, it is. And then he says, but you know what? He also says that it was designed for inside of marriage, so I believe that is the best place for it, and I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to save it for that. And I don't know if you know this, but when you save something, like when you save money, it's there. And in fact, it can add up. If you save sex, it does the same thing. It's, it's, it's still there. It's not like it's not going to be there. It's still there. And you save it for marriage. You say, God, I am going to save this because I believe that what you say, God, is true, that that's the best place for it. And when I use it in that context, it's amazing. When I take it out of that context, I believe, God, that it's not going to have the same effect. Anybody ever had Tabasco? Raise your hand. Have you ever had Tabasco? All right, what about wasabi? Anybody ever had wasabi, like green stuff? I like the wasabi. With Tabasco, you put that stuff on something and you eat it. Now, growing up, my brother, he liked hot stuff. Like, he really, really, really liked hot stuff. I think it was kind of like his little claim to fame thing. He was born in Mexico. I wasn't. My parents were missionaries at the time, but they actually came back to the States to have me and then went back down to Mexico because they didn't want their two kids. It was a it, what you, long story. You weren't supposed to be missionaries, but they were living down there, so they're traveling back and forth, and it was just a little weird that they would have had two kids born in Mexico, but they weren't Mexican. Anyway, he was like, I am a Mexican. He's like, that was me. So growing up, what he would do, is he would make chips and cheese. And to make sure that I didn't want any of it, he would just take Tabasco and just like... All over it. And it worked. And I'd try one like... And you got that like... You're breathing it. It's just burning. Your eyes are watering. Tabasco's horrible. But he loved it. But in your mouth, it's not that bad. But anybody ever take Tabasco and put it in your eye? And this guy's like, I did it! Yes! It is not nice. You might not like it on your food, and I didn't. It worked for him. He had all the chips and cheesy wine. I wouldn't even touch it. But oh my goodness, you put that on your eye, that's, it's, it's, it's where it doesn't belong. And if we believe that God's Word is true, then we need to look at it in every area of our life and we say, okay, God, you say that sex is better inside of marriage, then I'm not going to take it out because when I do, God, that's like taking Tabasco. You know, it might be good on your food. It might you know a little bit here and a little bit in that. It might add some extra spice, but you take it out of that context. It's like putting it in your eye. God, I have faith. And the action is I'm going to trust what you have to say. I'm going to trust what you have to say. If I believe that God's Word is true, that it really is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, I'm going to read it so that I know how to live, so that I know what to do. If I believe that what James 5 says, that the prayers of a righteous man or woman, that they have power, then God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And it's not going to be my plan D because nothing else worked. It's not going to be my, well, there's nothing else I can do but pray. I'm going to start right here with prayer. In fact, I'm going to start the day with prayer. God, I believe that you're more important than anything else. Then, God, 
I want a relationship with you, and I'm going to seek you first in all that I do. What we believe, there should be an accompanying action, something that we believe. We know that. We absolutely know that. If you've ever dated somebody, you know there better be action. It's like, okay, yeah, you need to shower before you go on that date and pick them up. And okay, maybe that, we, we do stuff. Why? Because there's an action. We have a feeling, but we want to see the accompanying action that comes with it. There needs to be something there. God's Word is true. If we believe it, then there should be an accompanying action that goes along with it. Faith, it is such a big deal that it is impossible to please God without it. Here's what it is, plain and simple. We saw it over and over. It's believing that what God's Word says is true and that He will do what He says and then acting on it. The centurion just said, say the Word and it will be done. And Jesus said, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. It's believing that God's Word is true and then having that accompanying action that comes with it. Faith, it comes by hearing. So here's what that means. You cannot have faith. You can hope for anything you want, but you cannot have faith for something that you don't know what the Word of God has to say about it because that's God's promise. He said, I've, I've, I've elevated my Word above my name. He says, I will, I will make sure that my Word, what I say in the Word of God, it will come true. It will come to pass. So we need to know what that is about whatever situation Whatever thing is coming up in our life, we need to know what it has to say. And it's living that out, saying, God, I believe that what you say is true, that the best thing for me to do in my marriage as a man is you say that I'm to lay down my life as Christ did for the church, then God, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay down my life for my wife. And yeah, there's a chance that she might walk all over me, but God, I'm going to lay down my life for her. I'm going to stand up. For you in my life, God, I'm going to stand up for you in our home. But God, I trust that what you said is true and that the very best marriage, the way that I can have the very best marriage I could possibly, possibly have is to do this, to lay down my life for my wife. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's looking through and finding what it is to say, God, I trust that being generous, it is more blessed to give than receive. So I'm going to be intentional about it. I believe that you're coming back and that you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. God, I'm going to seek you and watching him do what he said he will do. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.